In this episode, we apply the universal fears and desires to parenting. We look at how these tools can help and discuss how hard it is to parent in a patriarchal society. How does your universal fear and top two desires affect you as a parent? How do your kids' fears and desires affect them and how you parent them? Let's talk about what intuition really is. Let's look at all the places intuition and ego show up in your life. Let's share honestly. Let's do the research. I'm Jamie Hayhurst. I'm Heather Wood. This This is is the Intuitive Intuitive Girls Guide. Hi. We have an interesting episode because it's sort of like a a listener request combo. Mm. And like we're just kind of a little bit. We're responding to a really interesting thing that's happening where Mm -hmm. we have some episodes on the universal fears and desires. Mm -hmm. They're old. Those episodes are really old. Yeah, like Like those are episodes like fifty six and 57 i think they're like pretty fancy audio equipment they're great episodes but like i feel like i can tell well i think we were still in like separate places yeah recording yeah because it was probably covid maybe probably was covid yeah Yeah, you're right yeah so anyways yeah the the universe is weird (laughs) i don't know if you're aware (laughs) (laughs) i've noticed okay yes so the universe is weird and all of a sudden there's this like people seeking these, this fears and desires stuff, right? We're getting a lot of questions about them. We're having people like use them and like professionally and like all this cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's like sort of a resurgence of, of it. It's awesome. Yeah. So glad that you all want to know about this. And especially because we talk about it a lot in pretty much every episode. It comes up. It's, it's my, it's like the center of, of sort of how I interact with human beings. Correct. So it's really hard for me not to. And I think if you, study real intuition, Mm -hmm. then that's really at the center of that too, because you need to understand human behavior. Yes. If you're a healer of any kind, I think this is helpful. Yeah. But I also just think if you interact with humans at all, this is Mm -hmm. helpful. Yeah. So we were getting, we're getting a lot of attention for that and questions about that Mm -hmm. and wanting more episodes on that. Yep. So we're here to deliver that to you. Yeah. But we were also getting requests for an episode on parenting. So we we take seriously every request you guys send us. Yes. But the parenting one gave us both a little bit of a bellyache. Because I always feel like, are you looking for a 10-step program of how exactly to parent? Because right. especially when it comes to parenting, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a right or wrong way to parent. Right. I'm, there's clearly I mean, there's wrong, wrong ways. Yeah, but, but like, there's not like one method that's like better than every yeah. other method. Exactly. There's and not I, one school of thought. And I would never tell someone how to parent. No. Just because I would never want someone to tell me how to parent. Because parenting, Jay, mm-hmm. is a very intuitive process. It sure is. So there isn't, this is the best way. Mm-hmm. And also, I think we say this a lot, but when you are, let's say you were like, I want to check out this parenting method. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to check out gentle parenting and read yeah. a book on it or something. Yeah. Being truly intuitive is doing that and going, let me take the pieces that work for me and mm-hmm. discard these pieces that don't. Not let me just do a carbon copy of what someone else is teaching. Right. And a, probably a lot of our listeners are doing that without even realizing that they're doing that. Exactly. Like, that's how I learned the most effective way to parent my kids. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I wanted us to do an episode where it was like we address both of these things, mm-hmm. but we give people some parenting support. Yeah. Like, here's some more tools. tools. 
Yeah. Right. Use what you want. Disregard what you don't want. Right. But parenting is really hard. I don't know if you're aware. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we both have Super teenagers. Aware. Yeah. It's it's a lot. It's always hard. Yeah. It's we, just like hard. Sorry if you have like babies and you're listening. Right. It's hard forever, but it's yeah. hard in really different ways. It's always changing. The, the areas of difficulty and mm-hmm. challenge to you as a parent Change. are always evolving. Yep. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. not the same for your multiple children. No, they're all different. <laughs> yeah. They're so it's all hard. different. I mean, that's saying it's the hardest thing you'll ever love really is yeah. true, right? Like yeah. it, it's hard, but it's also great. Yeah. Yeah. And we also have an episode on parent like on intuitive kids yes so if you are looking for advice on my kid is super intuitive or oh my god they see dead people or like any of that stuff we have a whole episode on Mm -hmm. that for you this is more focused on parenting itself like support for you as a parent right if you're not a parent i really i I mean i know i know this is like the content that i'm using so like i'm bragging yeah but this is going to help you interact in life. Like whenever you're exploring fears and desires in any atmosphere, you're going to learn more about it mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to apply it wherever. Yeah. If you're someone that loves like the universal desires and fears episodes, but you feel like this doesn't apply to you, if you're going to pick some stuff up. It totally does. It or totally maybe you're does. like an auntie or an uncle or like or a teacher or, a teacher, or right? anything, anything. This yeah. will be helpful. Yeah. It really does just help you interact with all humans. Yeah. So what I did for this episode was take the concept of fear and desire, Mm -hmm. which are my sort of cornerstones of whatever I'm doing always. Yes. And apply them to parents, like parenting, like how can this be helpful tools? Yep. So that's what we're going to talk about. But before we get into all of that, I just wanted to say one of the reasons parenting is so difficult Mm -hmm. is because parenting itself, raising children is something that's set to thrive in a matriarchal society. Yes. And you're trying to do it in a patriarchal society. Right. There's no support. No. And I just sent you a TikTok yesterday about just explaining the difference between patriarchal society and matriarchal because I don't think a lot of people understand it. I think they think it would just be the same. A matriarchal society is the same as a patriarchal. It's just women in charge. Correct. But that's not what it is. It's in a completely different system. Completely different. Yeah, it's and not just like oh, women are in charge now. We're gonna be mean to all the the dudes. <laughs> right. Not at all. No. No. So, I think if you just sort of understand, and I think it was Liz Plank who was in the explaining this in the TikTok. Um, is that her name? It's like the feminist, uh, fabulous feminista. Yeah. Is that her? I'll name? tag her. I think so, yeah. yeah. So she. She's an incredible podcast. She does have an incredible podcast. She is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was explaining how a, a matriarchal society is a circle. Yes. And in the center of that is motherhood. Right. And I don't want you to hear that as anti-women who don't choose to become parents. Mm-mm. Because that just because you don't rear a child doesn't mean that you don't encourage society to grow. You aren't mothering. And right? that's mothering. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So it's where patriarchal society is like a straight line. Yep matriarchal is a circle right and there isn't just women in charge there isn't a hierarchy of gender there isn't Mm -hmm. any of those kinds of things so if you're feeling like wow i just really don't have enough support like it does take a village but where the hell is the village 
you don't live in a village. You are. That's the matriarchal society. society. But you were you were born as a human in like original humans. That's what we did. Yes. So if you, my point is, thousands of years we did that. That longing you feel is a universal experience with every parent I know. Right. And it's because you're you have to do this in a system that's not designed to support and celebrate it. Right. And you're you know on a cellular level. Yes. That it it should be operating differently. Yeah. But then you look around and it doesn't match that intuition that you feel. Like the, yes. what you're seeing doesn't match. One of my favorite concepts of matriarchal culture when it comes to being a mother in particular, but I think it fits for a parent, mm-hmm. is the idea that we if if you as a mother over there, if we're somehow connected, okay, and your child crosses my path. And you are having trouble with some element of the mothering. Mm -hmm. It is my right or my honor Mm -hmm. to help you. Right. It isn't just your kid. Does that make sense? Like if, if just even like having a friend who's also a parent that you can call and be like, any ideas about this or your kids having people in their life that aren't you that they can go to, to talk to all Mm -hmm. of those are like that concept, right? right? Of like, you as the mother or you as the parent are not expected to have every answer and to have every skill and to know everything and to do everything perfectly. Right. I mean, in this society you are, yep. but in the matriarchal society, it's sort of like, Oh, that I'm also mothering your children yeah, well, and, I, and you're right. also mothering mine. That's the whole system is mothering and, and parenting, parenting each yes. other. Yes. Right. So it's really, I just, I feel like I'm like, you know, like hammering this home, but mm-hmm. like, it's really important to know that like the reason it's so hard mm-hmm. is because you don't have that in exactly. this society. And right. maybe you're lucky enough to have built some of it around you. I know I am. I know you are like, we have some peoples, mm-hmm. but it's still very, very difficult. Yeah. So it is. I think it's worth talking about. Yeah. And like giving yourself a little bit of a break. Yeah. You're swimming against the tide, man. We all are. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. So we haven't, entire two episodes on the fears and desires Mm -hmm. you do not need to listen to it before you listen to this one although i do think it would be helpful i would say at least go listen to it after i'm gonna briefly explain stuff and touch on it but i think a lot of our listeners especially lately have listened and are are really knowing it so i don't want to spend too much time there yeah but there's a whole episode on it agreed okay so there are universal fears there are universal desires Mm -hmm. okay this is my quick explanation Everybody experiences all of them in different schools of thought in different um, mediums. Mm-hmm. You will hear them called slightly different things. Right. Okay. So like you might, some people might use Maslow's if they have like a psychology background, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it just really depends. I tend to use the ones that Tony Robbins uses. Mm-hmm. You all know I have complicated feelings about Tony Robbins. Yeah, still. Still. Yeah. yeah. I'm still waiting for him to call me so I can well, like talk him through I'm it. chat about it. Yeah, exactly. Anyways. Those are the ones I use because to me, those feel the most um, easy to understand. Yeah. They, they really just apply everywhere. And you don't need to have like a, a knowledge of anything other than the words. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's yeah. why I use those. So that's these are the ones I'm referring to. I didn't invent them. I, I think like, I took what he did and like went really far in my own direction with it. Yeah. Maybe that's a better way to explain yeah. it. But this is... His, I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I get credited with inventing, inventing it sometimes from people and I'm yeah. like, thank you, but that but, wasn't me. Right. That was, yeah. that was a white dude. Credit I'll work. take credit. I mean, some, <laughs> somewhere that helps somebody. 
exactly. the one time it gets reversed, I'll just be okay. With right. It. Exactly. Okay. So universal desires, we'll start with mm -hmm. those. Okay. So everyone experiences all of these desires mm -hmm. all the time. And everyone has times where one of those desires is really not being met. So it becomes more important to them and it mm -hmm. needs to be fed more and it drives them more. Yeah. All right. But also everyone has like a top two yeah. that pretty consistently through their life is driving them to do things. Although I will say that mine have changed. They will absolutely change. Since we recorded that first, the first time yeah. we recorded that episode, mine had changed. What were they before? Loving connection and, um, variety. Oh, and they I mean, I'm still a huge variety person, yeah. but I think it shifted more to contribution. Yeah, I think so too. And I also think as we're going to probably talk about, and as yeah. we always do talk about, yeah. is that there are many variables that are overlapping in our lives. Yeah. And I think as I've, um, realized that I have ADHD <laughs> yep. and like seeing how that plays out in my life, mm -hmm. that, that desire for variety doesn't feel so life or death. Well, that's the beautiful you know? thing about these is like when you understand them, they don't have so much power exactly. over you. I mean, I get it. it. It helps you understand it. And, but then you're also like, Oh wait, I don't actually need everything to be like, yeah, like running through the filter of variety. Yes. Once you go, Oh, this is why. And let mm -hmm. me understand why this is, mm -hmm. this is a driver for me. Right. It, it, controls you less in a way that makes you not feel like you're getting the desired outcome you want. Right. And it, it's more in a way of like, oh, this is this is something that is how I'm programmed and I can use it to my benefit. Right. And I think that I used variety as a way to sort of like, not support, but like feed yeah. my fear of abandonment. Yeah. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Which you're going to get to, right? I will, yes. So like, like I think I almost weaponized... Yeah. Variety. Well, I don't think you weaponized <laughs> you know it. I, mean? I think you were using desires to calm fears, which exactly. is what we also use fears to quelch desires. Like, right. These are not concepts that exist in a vacuum. Right. Exactly. They are interwoven and the things that happen to you shift and, and right. do this. And let me tell you what the desires are mm -hmm. in case you're new to this or just need a quick refresher. Mm -hmm. And then we'll talk about how... There are a lot of them that shift and change and evolve. And there are some that like, they're not going to evolve into each other. Like, right. does that make right. sense? Yeah. So they are love and connection, mm -hmm. significance, certainty, variety, growth, and contribution. Right. Okay. Those are the desires. Mm -hmm. You want all of them all the time, but two of them are driving your behavior the most. Right. And they absolutely can change, but they, the two main drivers don't change daily. Right. Exactly. You get triggered in other ways and have other desires like that pop up. Yep. So like, for example, in your top two, you might not have significance, but if in your job, you don't feel important at all, right. then your need for significance is going to come out in your relationship when yep. you're in your parenting and all these other mm -hmm. areas. So it, it isn't just like, Oh, these are my two. I don't need to worry about the others, right. but understanding that these two are driving most of your behavior mm -hmm. is going to help you feel like you have a lot more autonomy in your life. Absolutely. So if you have variety in your top two, mm -hmm. okay, you are not ever going to all of a sudden evolve into having certainty instead. 
Correct. That's never going to happen. Right. But I think the most common evolution, it's one that's happened for me, is significance can be in your top two. Mm -hmm. But then contribution can pass it and significant falls. Because those yep. two are very similar. I think a lot of people have a hard time even differentiating. Am I a significance person or a contribution Because person? they're so close. Right. And you could have a day where all of a sudden, you know, oh, significance is driving me mm -hmm. more because it's my number three, but it just, today it's number two. Like right. all of that can happen. So yep. there are elements of it that that makes sense. Yep. There are elements that once you understood your need for variety, it would no longer exist in your top two. Right. And it may never have. It might have just felt like it was driving you because it was right. so front of mind, right? Yep. So like that kind of thing can happen, but you don't, even like people will ask me like, well, if I have this like large amount of trauma, can you go from variety to certainty or the other way around? And is it possible? Of course. Right. Of course it's possible. There, right. There's not like, you know, you can't rules. exist outside these rules. Right. I, in fact, I love finding people who exist exactly. outside those rules. Yeah. But for the most part, the effect of trauma on you just mm -hmm. increases the tools you're already using. Yep. You don't tip, typically go from like really liking control to really like liking avoidance. That's right. not typically the way people go. Right. It's trauma would cause you to need a lot more control right. and for it to be a lot scarier to not have yeah, it. Yeah, it would heighten things. Exactly. Yeah. So understanding that is helpful. Mm -hmm. so, so the universal fears mm -hmm. are rejection, abandonment, and fraud. Yep. Okay. Everybody experiences all three of those. Mm -hmm. Every day of your life, you fear those things. Yep. But there is one that is the one that really drives most of your behavior yep. when it comes to fear and that you fear more than the other ones. It has a bigger impact on you. Yep. Can that shift in your life? Yes, but I see that far less often yeah. than I see you just kind of being born with one and sticking. Yep. There's a lot of yeah. outside factors and a lot of developmental factors as you're growing up in the environment and all of that and you know whatever your parents' fears are that are influencing that and it gets very cemented in childhood. Yeah. So I do I see people like, oh, you were born this and you kind of shifted over to this? I have seen that, yes. Yeah. Do I see it more than like a handful of times? No. Right. So most likely you're born with a fear. Right. And it's just playing out. And you said I I re-listened to the, these episodes mm -hmm. recently because like you said, they've been coming up so yeah. frequently. And you said something that I thought was really um, impactful. Ooh. I believe you said, correct me. <laughs> I probably don't remember. The desires are what's driving. Yeah. Like driving your life, driving, like if you're the car of your life, right? Mm -hmm. And your fears are steering yes. the car. Yes. I thought that was really like a great, that's a great visual. Thank you. Well, because a lot of people think they of work fear together. as the brakes. Mm. But fear isn't. No, it's steering like how what you're. Where it's you're just going, going like right. over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It you use fear to figure out how you're going to get the outcome that you mm. want that your desire told you. Right. And how much of it you use and how influenced you are by fear has a big impact on that. But I really do think people see fear as this bad, evil thing, and right. I, I definitely understand why it can mm -hmm. feel that way. Yeah. But it it actually isn't. No. It's, you would be dead. Oh, it's it. keeping you safe. Yeah. It's like, it, it's the, you're, it's driving the car and be like, how safe is it? Yeah. To head towards this desire. Yeah. And a lot of us don't feel like that's safe. Well, nothing's safe. Right. If there's another human involved, it's not safe. Right. Exactly. Which is everything. Right. Right. And even if there isn't another human involved, that's not safe either. Cause how are you going to get your desires met? Because right. we need other humans to do that. Like yep. it's, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. So of course you're going to be afraid. Understanding fear is important and helpful. Yeah. And I stand by my quote. 
I love it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so if you can identify your own, mm-hmm. if you're not sure, listen to that episode. Yep. It will help you, yep. hopefully. And there'll be more to come. So go listen to it because you're going to want it as a foundation. Yeah. Understanding your own fears and desires is like my first thing that I would say how to use this for parenting. People always want to apply it to their kids. We'll get to that. I'll teach you that too. Oh, you have to know yours. Understanding, being self-aware is the best tool you could have to be a parent. Right. Not even to be a parent. Just best tool you could have. End of the sentence. For everything. in parenting. But in parenting, it is, you don't realize how many things are triggering you or causing something in you or maybe taking you away from the outcome you actually mm-hmm. want because they're they're just like blurring your vision a bit. Yeah. And oftentimes in parenting, like when we're upset about something or, or upset about something that our kid's doing, it's actually our reaction to what they're doing. Yeah. And like how we can, how we can manage it or how we can't manage it. Yes. And so if you do that work on yourself, you're going to find a lot of problems start like disappearing in your life. And you feel a lot better. And it's also a lot easier to manage yourself. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Than it is another human being. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Not just easier, but like that's, that's the only thing you actually have full control over. I mean, it might, if you were, if you were raised like in a household, probably like in our generation, yeah. you know, it might sound quote unquote easier to like yell or discipline. Right. It's actually not though. It's no. actually creating like more problems in the family unit. Yeah. That if you just manage yourself and why you feel like you have to yell and why you have to discipline. Yes. Yes. That's actually like, I mean, it's, it's harder in that it's emotionally harder. Well, it's a lot of management of yourself. Right. It's a lot of self-awareness. It's a lot of reflection. It's a lot of like, but it actually makes the most sense to, to work does. on yourself first. But it, it also, we're going to get to this later, but it's also your kids don't need a perfect parent, Mm-mm. but they are going to learn from your own relationship to your own imperfections. Correct. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. how you deal with your own imperfections mm-hmm. to in front of your children mm-hmm. is far more important mm-hmm. than being perfect in front of them and never yes. yelling or never messing up or never screwing right. up a thing. So like, because even if you did do that, even if you were the perfect parent, right. and never it doesn't yelled, exist. it doesn't exist, right. you never yelled, you never raised your voice, you never right. screwed up, then you're creating a standard for your kids that they can't meet. Right. Like, so it's actually better to like screw up and model yeah. how to improve and how to grow. Yes, because then they're going to be imperfect right. and have no tools of how to navigate that. Right. They're going to internalize that. Right. Then they're also going to have somebody yell at them mm-hmm. sometime and also have no idea no, how what's going on. Like, right. So, right. How to be corrected or criticized. Yeah. Right. So there's so many parts of this yep. that just go back to understanding yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't, you're never going to figure it out. You're a puzzle. You are the, the puzzle. Mm-hmm. You as a puzzle, you, it's the hardest for you to solve your own puzzle. Right. Solving other people's puzzle is a walk in the park to me. Well, Right. Yes. So everybody, right. it's way yeah. easier. To how many it. times have you heard someone talking and been like, how do they not see that? Right. I can hear it. I've never like met them, but I can overhear them from here. Mm-hmm. And But then when it's your own, you're like, I have no idea. And then someone tells you like, oh, but it's the same thing that you've been doing for 20 years. And you're like, what? Like that, that's the, that's the setup. Well, see our episode on shadow work. Like that's how you yeah. address all that stuff. Exactly. 
Exactly. You know. So think about, I, I feel like I would love it. And this is just like my style of learning. So apply it to your correct style of learning. I would love it if our listeners wrote down some of these questions <laughs> and could continue to think about them. Yeah. Not while I'm not talking. To yes. Them. Right. Go, okay. go back to them. Okay. So one of the ones that I'd like you to write down okay. is how do my fears, my main fears and my main desires affect my parenting yep. on a regular basis? Yep. I know that sounds like a big question, but when you start to think about it, when you can identify yours, mm -hmm. so like we have said many times that I'm a rejection person and you're an abandonment person. Yes. Okay. Yep. When I think about how my universal fear of rejection affects my parenting, there's a lot of information there. Absolutely. There's a, there's a huge effect mm -hmm. on my parenting. When you apply that same thing with abandonment, you're going to come up with a list of a lot of things. This is not about shaming anybody. This no. is not like, okay, now go feel really bad no, no, no. that this is affecting you. It's going, go be aware. Yeah, you have to dig through it. Yeah. Because your fears, everything gets filtered through them. Mm -hmm. So your kid gets mad at you. The same, we could have the same exact scenario with our children and I'll read it as rejection and you'll read it as abandonment. It doesn't right. matter if they did the same exact thing. They said the same exact mm -hmm. thing. That's how we're going to take it. Yeah. That's how, so if you understand that mm -hmm. and how it's driving you, it's going to make a big deal. Big Absolutely. Difference. Now, when it comes to your fears, as a parent, depending on what your main fear is, most everyone follows this pattern I've noticed. You know me with pattern recognition. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes. I may have some skills in that area. I'm interested to hear what this is. Okay. So when you create your connection to your children, you create, based on your main fear, you most likely create a certain need between you and your kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's take rejection. Okay. Okay. That's hello. It's me. I'm the problem. No problem. It's me. Okay. Yeah. If you are a par parenting and rejection is your main fear, yeah, you tend to create a mental connection, like a need. Your children will mentally need you, so they will need advice from you. So you create a system. Mm -hmm. The way that you parent, you probably aren't really conscious that you're doing this, but where whatever they do in life, as they become an adult, while they're a kid. You want them to seek advice from you. Mm -hmm. How should I do this? What way should I do this? Okay. Mm -hmm. You always want a conversation. There is a mental need of information from you as the parent. That's what rejection parents do. Okay. Okay. So if I'm talking to someone and they're telling me about parenting, this is the first thing I've probably already figured out their universal fear, right. but I'm also going like, does this match? Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I would say... 9.9 .9 times out of 10, it does. Okay. Okay. Abandonment people create a physical need. Okay? okay. So abandonment people create a thing where they want their children to need them to get from point A to point B. Okay? <laughs> You're having a funny reaction to that. <laughs> now, yeah. this is going to track for you, but believe it or not, this is something I knew before I met you, but you're going to laugh because you're going to think I'm just talking about you. Okay. <laughs> Where people who are rejection, the way that they parent is that they always want their kids coming to them for advice and like, help, like let me share the mental load of figuring out what to do with yeah. them. 
you're going to hear those rejection parents being talking a lot about the conversations they have with their kids, the advice that they gave their kids. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of the conversation when they're talking about their relationship with their kids. Mm -hmm. But if you want to spot an abandonment parent, a parent that their main fear is abandonment, they will tell you about how often they're driving their kids places. Really? Because it's literally a need to get them from point A to point B. And then be staying with you. Yes. I mean, this is with them to those places. Yes. This is create. So like Mm -hmm. we'll get to this, but rejection people, like the way to reject a rejection person is to not need them to figure out what to do. Okay. If you can figure out your life Mm -hmm. without actually needing me, that's going to make me feel rejected. That's every rejection person. Okay. Abandonment people know that in order to be always be needed and not just completely left is that as you travel from all the phases to life, like the phases are going to make you abandon me in different ways. Yep. So how can I be the person that gets you from point A to point B in every phase? Oh, that makes a ton of sense. These are the, the yep. grandparents yep. that pick their the kids up from school mm-hmm. physically, like the grandkid to help the parent. Like yep. there is a physical element that you create. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Fraud people uh-huh. create an emotional need. Okay. So fraud people will talk a lot about my kid came home crying and so we sat and cried together. Oh, okay. 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 So they're going to have this, like, in order to really experience and sit and have the space for my emotions, I'm going to go to my parent for that. Gotcha. Okay. okay. So if you're, if you're wondering which ones you are, you're mm-hmm. doing that. Is it bad to do? Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. Is it nice to have a little bit of awareness? Mm-hmm. Yes, because when, if you're an abandonment person and your kid gets from point A to point B without you, you are going to be crushed by that. Yeah. And the rejection parent is like, what is the big deal of that? Exactly. Okay. Right. If you are a rejection parent and the, your child does something without seeking your counsel, mm-hmm. you're crushed by that. But the abandonment and fraud parent are like, good for them. Yeah, especially if you're, if you're co-parenting. Yeah. And you're like, why is my partner so upset about this thing? It doesn't matter. Well, yeah. Because it matters to them. Exactly. If yeah. you're a fraud parent and your mm-hmm. kid goes through something tough and they go through like the real feelings feeling part without you and you yeah. didn't know, that is going to feel a lot worse for you yeah. than it's going to for a rejection mm-hmm. or abandonment parent. Such a good point. So even if you are, if you do have the privilege of co-parenting, mm-hmm. okay, or however that setup is for you, yeah. whatever the other people in your village are that help you raise right. your child, understanding what their fear is, is really helpful. Yeah. And it's also why it's nice that we kind of naturally drift to partnering with people who don't have the same fears as us. Right. We tend to go towards people who have similar or the same desires, but yeah. different fears. So that makes sense. it helps in parenting. Yeah, it does. And it helps to know, like you said, like, does your partner, what's your partner's fear? Because right. when your partner's crushed about something that you think is a great yeah. accomplishment by your child, I'm so proud that they could do that without asking us, but the, the rejection parents on the floor in a pile about it, you right. can understand that. Yeah, exactly. And, and you, you can, can help them through it. And then you can remind yourself, wait a minute. Okay, they didn't, like, let's use the rejection one for an example. They didn't come seek my advice mm-hmm. on how to do that, and they did it themselves. This isn't a time for me to actually be mad at them because I'm going to want to be. Right. This is a time for me to just explain that it hurt my feelings, but no, it was only me. Yeah. They didn't do that to hurt my feelings. Exactly. They just were independent enough because I probably gave them some great advice before that they applied. Like, exactly. It just helps you catch it and not like 
throw it all at your kid. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So the next question you would logically ask yourself are, what are my children's and which ones are they currently sitting in? Mm -hmm. So kids shift around a lot more than adults when it comes to what they're, especially their desires. Fears, you can probably tell pretty young. I would say six or seven, you're going to get a good idea of what they are. Before that, their egos aren't really developed enough yet to, Mm -hmm. to get an idea. You'll see some strategies, I'll tell you in a minute. You can... They'll peek through. Um, but you want to just look at, like, how is it affecting their their behavior mm-hmm. and their feelings about themselves? Yes. Okay. So if you can identify your kid's top fear, huge. Huge. Huge, huge, huge. Because yeah. they're going to they're gonna pull everything through that. But if also, if you can understand, like, when somebody feels insecure, mm-hmm. it's because a fear has been met. And not enough of desire has been met to match it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that is when, okay, my kid is like, is really struggling. If you can ask yourself, like, what needs need to be built up Mm -hmm. and what fears need to be calmed down, you're going to have a lot more tools at your disposal to help them through. Exactly. Okay. Abandonment parents are really good at this because it's, it's point A to point B work. Right. Okay. Emotion, emotional management is a huge skill for abandonment people because it's literally, how do I get you from feeling like this to like this? Yeah. All right. So it, it's really going like, I have extra tools that are going to cut my time in half of yeah. figuring out how to help my kid. Yeah. Are you going to perfectly get them out of the, the tough situation they're in? Mm, probably not. No. <laughs> but you're going to, you're going to give them some tools. Yeah. You're going to have tools to help navigate and to understand what's going on. Because as much as we want to understand our kids, we didn't grow up with what they grew up with. Right. So we can't understand them. Mm -hmm. But we can understand what drives them. We can understand what's steering them. And we can understand what's influencing how this is affecting them internally. Yeah, that's huge. I think so. Yeah. I think so. So I want to get on to like reinforcing your kids' desires, Mm -hmm. calming their fears a little bit. I I want to tell you how to do that. Okay. But first, I think we should take a quick break. All right. All right. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, y'all. It's Jamie with a little shameless self-promotion. We've had a lot of people reaching out asking about distal Reiki. So I wanted to let you all know that, yes, you can book a session with me. If you'd like some distance Reiki, get in touch with me and we will set it up for you. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. goes great with podcast listening a great cup of coffee from a great coffee shop yep beans roasted in-house amazing baristas you know where i'm talking about restoration coffee can we go yes i need an americano and maybe a panini too Ooh, i need blueberry maple latte and probably a resto bowl yeah check them out and visit restoration-coffee.com Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's talk about what we're obsessed with this week. Okay, Heather. This is not TikTok related. Wow. I know. Um, <clears throat> it's just a thought. Okay. It's sort of this like, like, I was having this thought of like, okay, I lied. It is TikTok related. <laughs> I was like, how did I get here? Oh, it is a TikTok. Oh, okay. <clears throat> it's like I get you, get you one of those, but like for friends. Oh, That's okay. what I think of for you is like, sometimes you'll send me a TikTok and I'm like, you gotta get yourself a Heather. Everyone <laughs> needs to get themselves a Heather. And that's why I think is like, I, I'm, I'm bringing it up because I think that it, it actually relates to intuition. Okay. Because everything, everyone thinks intuition is like scary or ego. Or flashy egos, or ego is bad. Right. Right. Really what we're talking about all the time is balance. Yes. Right. Like how yes. do we balance our intuition? How do we balance mm-hmm. our ego? Mm-hmm. Let them work in harmony together. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is like, if you can find points of balance in your life. Yes. And that's yeah. what you and I do really well together. We do. Seriously. Like really well. Like people should study us and, <clears throat> and like learn. Right. Because you sent me a TikTok last night. No. Oh, sorry. It was a Marco Polo. Oh, okay. And you were telling me, I don't know if anyone knows what Marco Polo is. We talk about it all the time, but it's like an app you can use to like basically kind of like FaceTime with people come up to me and say they started using it because we mentioned it and they looked at what it was. So Marco Polo should sponsor us. Oh my God. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. They owe us money. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You were Marco Poloing me about something and you were like, this thing, I'm seeing this thing. Uh huh. And, and it like makes me feel hopeful. (laughs) <laughs> about the world. Oh, I remember. remember. Yeah, I do. You're talking about someone in particular, so yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah. to name them. But yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. look at this person. Like, it makes me feel so hopeful. Yeah. But then I send you TikToks, and I'm like, look at this. Look at this evidence. <laughs> this shit is over. The world is over. Well, I- <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't drag you down. No. And with my negativity. No. And you don't make me feel like oh everyone's so like happy and roses it's just this nice balance because i think we both are dialed into because of what our purposes in life are Mm -hmm. we're a little bit more dialed into a direction like i think a lot of your about your purpose is about like making changes in the world and calling stuff out and like drawing attention to something so like the things that are bad are going to feel more overwhelming to you not because you're a negative person you're not a negative person no, and you're not, not a pessimist no. but those are the things that like you'll you'll be like i need to process this or this is really right. bothering me because those are the things that inspire you to do what you do right i'm like everyone needs to know like like a lot of it lately is like i'm like we're in the dystopia yeah i think i think i think every, you say that every day i do i say it yeah. on every and i say it on every episode for sure you definitely do i def, definitely read a uh, like a caption of an article that said like someone called it like the slow motion yes apocalypse yes. and i was like wow that's right up my alley <laughs> well <laughs> 
And I, I feel like it's sounding like it's because you're focused on the negative, but that's, I don't no. really think that's what it is. I think it's like, it's like, I'm like a bell ringer. Like I, I, I was going to say the, the canary in the coal mine right. going like, yes. hello, you hey. guys have to stop not paying attention right. to this. You can't just live your life and like ignore mm. it. Right. And I, so I think that that happens with you. And so then I think with me is that I'm constantly just by program mm-hmm. designed to see like the best part of somebody that's like hiding behind the the thing that's keeping them from it yes so the the skew i have of the world is like very hopeful Mm -hmm. it's like look at this we're getting there yeah in the the marco polo you were like this person wouldn't have been able to exist yes when we were growing up like 20 years ago 30 years ago this person wouldn't have been allowed to be themselves look at how great this is yes i was like wow progress progress yeah and I, I think I even said in it, like, we're so often not seeing it. Like, I have to tell you about seeing it. Right, exactly. Okay. But it isn't because I don't know that there's bad stuff and I don't get right, overwhelmed exactly. by it. It's not that you don't know that there's good stuff. Exactly. And, like, it's just, and so, like, when you can provide that for each other, right? it's like, oh, that brings my attention to it. How are we going to help it? Exactly. And you're like, okay, that brings my me to a place that there could be hope. So how can we apply that? Yep. Like, it, it is very helpful. And it, it's just, like, proof that, I think sometimes people think their friends have to be exactly like them. Right. And I don't really think that's true. I think your core beliefs have to be pretty similar. You have to have very similar interests (laughs) to get along. And I think that's certainly us. But I I don't think people realize, like, you don't have to have somebody see everything like you see it. No. Yeah. And that can feed into, like, sort of extremist responses. Yeah. If you're both reacting to things the same way. Yes. So... Yeah, I mean, if I was always stuck in just seeing the best in everything, mm-hmm. I would be ignoring things that needed help right. because I was seeing it in a rosy way. Right. And you would be stuck the only seeing the doom and gloom right. if I didn't remind you, like, there's a few wins here sometimes. Exactly. So it, it is nice. Yeah. Oh, that's, a, that's a nice topic for our... Yeah, a little balance. Yeah. Yeah. Bit. All right. Let's, let's talk about reinforcing your kids desires but also reinforcing your own when it comes to parenting and how important that is okay one of my favorite things about humans is that whatever compliment you give them they will filter it into their own need oh i love like it's literally i watch it happen all the time and i (laughs) it's one of my favorite things interesting now if you give someone so if you give someone any compliment it's going to feed one of their needs because they're going to make it but it is uh, we'll get to this part but it is a very powerful thing to to word your compliment to specifically hit a need that's a great point so i'm going to tell you about both okay but i have some examples of how you can filter a need this one's a real life one so i wrote down the quote and i'm going to leave out details but i'll tell you later <laughs> <laughs> i'm intrigued okay i was once sitting with a two people who worked together on something and they were a certainty person and a variety person okay okay and the the clients that they were working with okay had come and thanked them for their work and this was the compliment i'll i won't ever forget i don't know why i wrote it down but i did because i wanted to get it right they the clients complimented certainty and variety sitting at the table to both of them said Uh i really appreciate the way you guys showed up for us and made us feel important okay okay Super nice compliment. <clears throat> it's a great compliment. Okay. Yeah. So client walks away. V- 
variety person gets up to go do something. They're like, oh, so nice. They're partners, if you couldn't figure that out. Yeah. Okay. Certainty person walks over to me, and I was like, that was so nice. And certainty person said, it really shows you that, like, having these systems in place to make sure everybody feels seen and, like, following these formulas and, like, really having the structure, it really works. Okay? And then certainty person walked away. <laughs> a certainty person talking about structures and systems. Yes. They were like, I am so proud of my structures. <laughs> okay. Yes. Variety person. Now, these person, these two people aren't married to each other. I'll just spoiler alert that to you because I uh-huh. feel like certainty and variety people always yeah. marry each other. Okay. Variety person comes over and uh-huh. I say the same thing like, oh, such a nice compliment. Okay. Uh-huh. And variety says, you know, it really goes to show that being present in the moment and not getting too stuck on how everything needs to go and just really responding to people's needs makes such a difference. Not getting stuck in the details. And walks away. Wow. And I was like, oh, I will remember this forever and give it as an example because literally they filtered the compliment into Same where words. they needed it right. for their needs to get hit. Well, and it also shows you how much of a lens yeah. Your needs and desires create for you. Yeah. That like when they took that compliment in, yeah. they were like, oh, well, where did we, where did I show up? In my variety, in my certainty, right. polar opposites. Like you and filter it through that lens without knowing it. And the thing, the thing is, is that both are right. Mm. Because yeah. for certainty, the structure allowed them to do that. And yeah. for variety, the variety allowed them yeah, to the do that. Yeah, the freedom of variety. Yes. So they are correct. Yep. Yeah. But the fact that they're both were like, just goes to show certainty's the right thing. And the other was like, just goes to show variety's the right thing. So, well, and it just goes to show that you're forever reinforcing, like we always say, your ego, your brain, it's always looking to reinforce these ideas that you already have. Yes. That's how like quickly it happens without you realizing. And we get really stuck in this thing of like, don't be selfish and think of others first which yeah well but that's not possible you filter everything everything through your own stuff Mm -hmm. as a parent too as a human being yes right so the point of this is that like no matter how you're complimenting your kid they're gonna take it the way they need it so just give compliments to anybody exactly okay my other example this one i just made up as an example but Mm -hmm. you've definitely seen this in the wild before Let's say we have a love and connection person and a significance person, Mm -hmm. okay? They're sitting together. They work together on a project at work. Their boss comes up to them and says, you guys knocked this project out of the park. Great job. Yeah. Okay. Love and connection just thought, my boss loves me. Okay. (laughs) And significance just thought, I am so important to this company. Wow, that's such a good point. It did not matter the words that the person's, the boss said. No, it was just the idea. Yes. Mm. So my point is that positive (laughs) language, like just telling someone they did well at something or that they, you like, like if I told, if I told a a significance person that I liked their shirt, they would Mm. be like, I am so important to fashion. Like, right, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like this, I, I had such an influence on this person that they'll probably go buy it. They'll probably tell me where they got it. Yes. Okay. Right. But if I do that to a love and connection person, they're going to be like, oh, this person like likes me. Mm-hmm. Like every, you just feed what people need. And even, and also if you're an overthinker as a parent, which I still am. Same. But tended to be much more so when my kids were younger. Mm-hmm. 
there's no point in really overthinking things and like trying to like say the right thing or not say the wrong thing or what's the wrong thing to say here or what's the best thing to say in the scenario. Yeah. As long as it's like, as long as the intention is like love and support and like being kind. And it's an authentic compliment. Right. Yeah. Then like to your point, they're going to filter it the way they want it anyways. Yeah. There's no right. Yes. So you're just wasting energy trying to like perfectly articulate yes this thing you have to say yeah you know I mean I think of you know my mother's generation mm-hmm. so she would always say like her parents would never compliment her on purpose because mm. that that generation it's like the silent generation and then baby boomers right, right. or the golden generation I don't remember the silent and okay yeah. so they the silent generation believes that that would give them a big head and that would make it hard for them so they like really the intention was good right but the result is a, a lot of insecurity, Correct. right? And a lot of like difficulty receiving compliments and yes. the need to just kind of be invisible that happens yeah. to people of that age that were parented that way. Yeah. So, I mean, there, like I said, there's no right or wrong way to parent, but right. like literally just giving authentic compliments. Yeah. I mean, you also have to say when something's not working out yeah. or when they're doing something wrong, we'll get to that. But yeah. like actually just saying like hey good job or oh, you look nice right. like they will filter it to the need that they have at that moment right without even realizing they're doing it no it's not front right. of mind at right. all okay so if you want to give a specific compliment okay you want to say to your kid i really want to feed your need for significance mm-hmm. okay you all you have to do is use the word or use a similar word oh you can be so obvious. I get this question every time I right. teach this. Like, tricky. how do I do this? You don't need to be tricky. Right. You do not need to be tricky. So if you can see that significance is a thing that your kid needs fed, mm-hmm. just be like, you know, good job in that soccer game. You really played an important role on your team because mm-hmm. you were always passing the ball or yeah. you were always on top of stuff. You were cheering for every Like, whatever. Whatever yeah. the thing is. doesn't right. matter. That to a person is amazing. Right. Like, that was a big deal. I teach this. Mm-hmm. One time I was leaving a course at, mm-hmm. it was like at a local college that mm-hmm. I was teaching this at to like the staff. And as I was leaving, one of the people came up to me and said, Heather, you just contributed so much to me <laughs> with that. Like it'll really affect my life in so many amazing ways. Yeah. And that really made me feel so connected to you. And I walked up to her and gave her a high five. And I was like, very good job. That's exactly what I'm telling you to do. And also, even though I knew you were doing it, you made my day. Yes. I still like it. Yes. I know you, and she meant it. Yeah. But she steered it to how I would receive it the best way because I just taught about it. I just She's told practicing. everybody right. that contribution and love and connection are my top two. And she literally just walked up to me and did, and it, did it very obviously, like I told her to. And even though I clocked it, I fucking loved it. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Right. You don't have to be sneaky. The more sneaky you try to be, the worse the compliment's (laughs) going to be. Just if it's a significant person, tell them they're important. That's it. If it's a love and connection person, tell them you feel connected to them or to the ideas they're presenting or whatever. Yep. Whatever. If it's a variety person, tell them you really appreciate all the spontaneity and variety that they have in right. life and their ability to swing from here to there. Yeah. If it's a certainty person, talk about their structure and organization. Mm-hmm. It just feed. If it's a growth person, talk about how like you are so impressed with where they were before and what they know now. Like it's just be obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. Be super obvious with your kids because they know it even less. Exactly. They're not clocking it. No. My kids can tell you mm-hmm. these begrudgingly because right. if it's your mother that's the expert right. it's annoying 
but they still aren't like when I when I use the language, they're still thrilled. Oh, of course. So just yes. your ego wants to hear it. Yeah. And I, I encourage you to just do this in the wild. Like yeah. if you have a like form like a hypothesis about the person and send out a compliment and align with it, you'll see. see watch their posture. Yeah. If you hit the right one, you're gonna know in a yeah. second they're gonna sit straight up. You're right. gonna see. It's it's really amazing. It's a good point. Okay. The other thing I think that's helpful to know is how to shake up the fears. Okay. So if, if someone's, if your kid's sitting in fear or if you're sitting in fear, or if anybody's sitting in fear, you just, fear needs to be interrupted. Mm -hmm. Everyone has had the experience where fear mm -hmm. was running their thoughts and you were stuck in a loop of just like fear thoughts. It's like a record. If you know what a record is, like it's just <laughs> circling around. Like, you know what a record is. <laughs> Yeah, I've been there before. Age. I've been. We there. all have. We all have. We, it's a you're spinning mm -hmm. in it, and it's yeah. stupid, and it's really hard to get out of. Yeah, it needs to be interrupted because it's it's you're you're trapped in it. Yeah, hard to in get out. So if you notice it in yourself, you notice it in your kid. I'll tell you, there's there's two tricks. Okay. Okay. The first is like the temporary instant interruption, and the other is more of a permanent. Yep. Okay. So if, if you as the parent or your kid are mm -hmm. stuck in the, the fear, mm -hmm. okay, the rejection, abandonment, fraud, whatever the story, whatever your reasoning for behaving that way is, and you know it is right. getting you, you want to take away its power by making fun of it. Yep. Now, Distract. hold on for a second. Mm -hmm. Don't go up to a stranger and make fun of them for their fear. For being upset. Correct. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't no. do that. People you know and have had a conversation with already about mm -hmm. their fears, you can use this on them. But I think it's most effective to use on yourself and your kids, anyways. Mm -hmm. okay? You do this to me all the time. I do this to, I do this to everybody. <laughs> I sometimes do it to strangers, but I have an imaginary degree in it, so it's different. Right. But, but when you, but when you're stuck in something, yeah, you need someone to shake it, shake the power out of it for you. Right, and, and you also lose perspective. Yes. So I'm very much aware of what my fear is. Yes. But like in that moment when it's when it's driving the car. Yes, it's steering. Like I'm not realizing it. And so yeah. you just literally, you could literally just be like abandonment. Yeah. <laughs> and I would be like, oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. You know? I, this is the example I use on myself. I still use it to this day because even though you understand your fear and you understand sort of like the story that you created around it and the vows you have with it, it doesn't mean that you'll it's gone. No. It just means it has less power over you. Right. It's still there forever. Sorry. I know that's not like a shiny thing to pay well, $9.99 for. But <laughs> I was just kidding. <laughs> that's true. Okay. There's exactly. no 10-step program to there defeat it. Not. You just have to learn to get along with it and to shift your relationship to well, it. Well, and like we say, awareness is so like pivotal. Yes. So like once you're just aware of it, it's going to make a huge difference. Oh, yeah. It's like a huge lion that's scary to like a kind of annoying cat. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, I like cats. I wasn't meaning to. Don't, don't write in a book. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Um, so my, my thing, so you'll see this in a lot of rejection people is a story of control. Mm. Okay. We'll get mm -hmm. to that in a minute. But for me, I was like, why do I need to control everything? Like what's going on? Why do I feel like if I don't do everything perfect or I don't show up the exact right way or I don't have everything together all the time or if I need help yeah. that that feels so scary mm -hmm. because it's not, you, you notice the, this is when you know you have a vow, right? And you notice it because your reaction to it is like life or death instead of just some people might judge you. Right. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. fears aren't silly. 
there's real stories behind them. Yeah. So when I boiled mine down, I, you know, I've told the story before it got to a childhood where my mom was sick and then my brother was sick. And so it was literally like, if I'm not doing those things, if I don't have my shit together all the time and do everything really well, I need help that somebody I love is going to die. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. So what I do when mm. I start getting into that spiral now is call myself the Grim Reaper. Exactly. Listen, Grim Reaper. Right. You're really, you you don't have your house perfectly clean, so someone you love is going to drop right. dead. No you have that. Dying. No one's dying here. You have that kind of power. Right. And I, I know it sounds almost mean, mm. but it snaps me out in one second. Yes. Okay. Yep. So like understanding that having that story is helpful. I also know it in my kids and have a story for my kids. Yeah. Okay. Oh, really? Avoiding that? Really? That's, that's going to... How's that going to feel? You right, know, what, exactly. what's the reason? Like, I don't want to tell you exactly what I say, so, no, but you know right, what I mean? Like right, yeah. have the thing that counteracts the story, the yes. vow, the thing, right. right. And have it know that you can say it jokingly. Yeah. All right. Adding a fear to a kid drowning in fear is not what to do. No, exactly. Get them out of it. And then you can help them work through shifting it. Yep. Okay. Lot, like if you want to shift it long-term power, that's mm -hmm. just to interrupt it in the moment. Right. It's going to come back. Okay. You just have to, you just have to shift somebody's perspective. Cause like you said before, fear alters your perspective. You, yeah. have, you have tunnel vision to this one fear right. when you have it. Right. So the tool that you want to use is to flip the consequences of not doing the thing that you're desiring. Okay. Because fear when you get stuck is steering you away from the thing that you want mm -hmm. and your desire is making you feel all so awful. I can't, I don't even know how to describe what it feels like yeah. when you desire something and you can't even move towards it. It's terrible. It's so terrible, yeah. right? Not talked about enough, No, yeah, but it's, it's I, I don't want to, I don't want to say depression cause that's its own thing, but it feels yeah. very depressive. It's I heavy. guess it's, it's it feels very heavy. heavy. Yeah. Right. So you would want to say like, let's say the, your kid wants to try out for the soccer team, mm -hmm. but they're really afraid to go to tryouts and not make the team. That's a tough moment. It is. Right? Yeah. What you can do, not in the moment, interrupt the fear jovially, mm -hmm. you know, jokingly. But then when you, they're in a more grounded moment, yeah. you can say, let's fast forward you five years and say you never tried out. And now you're not even in high school anymore. Mm -hmm. And you never got the chance to try that. How would that feel? And let them be afraid of that. That's a good point. Okay. Yep. You just shifted the perspective. Right. I mean, I do this with adults all the time. One of the most common is like, I want to, I want to create my own business, but I'm afraid like if I go out on my own or I do this different job or I start all over that I can't support myself. And I'll say fast forward 10 years and you never tried it and you're still doing what you're doing. And they immediately, there's a shift. Yep. Okay. I mean, there's more work to it than that. Well, but right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the right. fear instantly loses its power because now it realizes there's more things to be afraid of than this one hyper-focused thing that I have. Right. And that tunnel vision expands. Exactly. Exactly. So I've alluded to this, but let me tell you the drug of choice based on your universal fear. Okay. Okay. Rejection people use control. Yep. Abandonment people use avoidance. And fraud people use victimhood. Oh, yep. Okay. Yep. So you can see that in your kid, but you can yep. also see it in yourself. Mm -hmm. You can see it in anybody that you ever talk to yeah. when they're responding to something that is making them even just uncomfortable, anything that feels unsafe. Sometimes the word afraid doesn't register for people, but if unsafe. Yeah, yeah. Unsafe is a, is a good one. Yeah. What do you do with it? Okay. So That's a good point. 
rejection people are like, I'm going to control the shit out of everything. And they tend to create like a 20 step plan. Yeah. And they run at it and they do it everything in the plan and do not veer them off the course of mm -hmm. the structure that they have or they may crumble. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, abandonment people mm -hmm. will avoid. So it's like the example I always give is there's a huge elephant in the room and the avoidance person has become, feels unsafe around the elephant. So what they decide to do is like turn their head and look out the window and put their hand in front of their eyes so they can't see it because abandoned people are actually very good at being present. Mm -hmm. They're better at, than the other two at that. Yeah. So they just hyper put themselves in the present and pretend it doesn't exist. Right. But eventually it comes in and stands on their neck. And so you've got like one last breath to scream out for help. And that's usually when an abandonment person will ask yep. as they're being crushed. Last okay. So they wait until it's it's literally presently upon them and it's the last chance. Yep. That's Sounds their drug right. of choice. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> Fraud people use victimhood as a way to mm -hmm. discount their own power. A really difficult thing for people who have fraud as their big fear is to stand and be powerful with other people seeing that. Yeah. Okay, that's a huge trigger for them. So if you have someone that gets really trapped in like in that fear, like my response is always like, what about all those amazing things you did? How did you get yourself through school? Okay. Yeah. yeah you're not capable. You can't handle it. Like that would be how I would do that with the, I use the elephant for the right. avoidance and then the rejection people. I would be like, what is it that you're really after again? Right. Exactly. <laughs> because you're so stuck in controlling all the, the yeah. other parts that don't matter that you lose sight of the outcome. So you just want to understand that. And then, Understand it about yourself because as a parent, you're going to avoid, you're going to victim, you're going to control. And then as a child in response to your parenting, they're going to do one of those. Right. And your reaction to them is different. Like I have a, a, a rejection child and an abandonment child. Right. Okay. The way that I parent my rejection child to motivate them is way different, different. than how I would motivate my avoidance child because the same things don't trigger at them. The exactly. Same Discipline. Here's how I think you should discipline your kids. It's Just kidding. Never. I don't think that way. Right. I think this is a question we get asked and I think it comes up with parenting. So I think, I think I look at discipline as boundaries. Okay. Yeah, same. Okay. I don't look at discipline in the way of like you screwed up. So now I want you to feel terrible about yourself and be spanked on the ass or yeah, whatever like punishments yeah okay right. so i i do have consequences for my kids if they don't do certain things yes Same. yeah but is it which is discipline yeah okay but like what i'm what i don't want you to hear when i'm talking is me telling you how i think you should discipline your kid or the right way or the wrong way we just said how we do it but like it's hard yeah here's some things that might help you in this department right okay when you're discussing consequences, when you're discussing anything to do with, I need this result from you to your kid. Right. Or you didn't deliver, so this is the consequence of this behavior. Mm -hmm. Age appropriately, you want to try to spark desire and calm fear. And I see parents do this backwards. Uh, I know. it's Well, it's a lot easier said than done. It's so hard especially because like i i know i keep saying it but like when your kid has done that like broken a rule or disappointed you 
you're having, if you're not in control of yourself, you're having your own moment. You're having your own moment, even if you are in control so of yourself. Ha- you're having right. To, you're having to manage your own fears. What does this mean for me? How does this look? Like whatever, whatever story's running in your head. And then you have to like dig through all that and then like punish someone. Oh, it's the worst. It, it, that's how, that's why it gets so heated and so mm-hmm. emotional so fast. Yeah. It's not just about the kid. It's not just about the behavior. Exactly. Exactly. It's a crapshoot. So if you get to hold dynamic, have some of these tools to like, right. Oh, let me grab them while I try to navigate this awful. Exactly. I mean, to me, there's, that's the worst part of parenting is to have to do any kind of discipline or consequence to something. I never want to do that. I hate it. I do it, but right. I, it's terrible. Same. I'm always like to my kid, don't make me, please just do this. So I do not have to punish you for it. <laughs> Like, I literally do not want to have to do that. Like, that's really putting me in a place as yeah, a rejection person. I it don't sucks. care for it. Right. Yeah, right. So it's super hard. But if you wonder, there's this feeling, and I think it's like faded out quite a bit generationally. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of like, I should make you feel afraid because yes. you're being disciplined, which what happens is you make someone feel or make your kid feel unsafe mm-hmm. while they're receiving a consequence. And that actually isn't ideal because all that's going to spark is a fear response to what you're doing, right? which is not going to give the outcome that you're probably looking for because most likely you're trying to teach them an important skill by doing this. Mm-hmm. Some, uh, some people might be trying to control their kids to be how they want them to be. Mm-hmm. That in itself, I think, is a rough time. Do not recommend. Again, no. I'm not trying to tell people how to parent, but like... Well, I mean, I mean, don't emotionally abuse your children. I'll say that. Like, yes. Like, don't don't beat your kids up. Don't don't right. use them. Or like force them to become what you wanted to be when you were a kid. And right. Your dream wasn't realized, so you must now be... You right, know. you're transferring all this stuff to them. But like you yeah. said, I think that in like previous generations, it was like, if your kid was afraid of you, that was like a sign of respect. Yeah. And... People used to brag about that. Yeah. But what the thing you were trying to teach in the disciplining probably is going to get really lost in your kid's reaction to you making them feel unsafe. Exactly. So are you going to do it? Yeah, you're going to. You're going to screw up. I don't care. You can right. be an expert. You can be the best parent. You can have the best parent award. I've never received the gentlest that. gentlest parent of all time. Yeah. Like, oh, you just did everything still right. Still going to have a moment. Ticked all the boxes. You still screwed up, bro. Right. Somewhere. So don't take it that way. But just, again, use right. it to support. Yeah. Try, obviously fear is involved, Mm -hmm. but try to have the fear be more concentrated on the consequence Mm -hmm. and what that means and the lesson than on triggering the universal fear. Okay. So if you have a rejection kid Mm -hmm. and you're disciplining them, you don't want to hype, like be like, oh, let's really make you feel triggered in rejection. Right. You want them to feel like, oh, I really don't want that consequence. Mm -hmm. And because in that consequence, I'll have to really consider this lesson. Right. I don't want to have to do that. Right. You're jamming me up, bro. Yeah. That's going to have a better effect. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I feel like it's difficult. Okay. The connection between how you discipline or have consequences and teaching your kids boundaries, well, there really is no difference. <laughs> right. Right. I have worked with many people who were raised in an environment without any consequences ever. Yep. We all know those people. Mm-hmm. They usually end up figuring out their own boundaries. 
but where they struggle is understanding how to respect other people's boundaries. Well, I was going to say, they, they go out into the world and learn the hard way Yeah. what happens when you don't respect someone's boundary. Yeah. It, like, if you don't have boundaries in your home and you don't learn how to navigate them, then when you go out into the world and you don't know how, you yeah. don't have a whole, you don't have a whole entire skill set. Yes. It's, it's you, what you're doing as a parent when you're disciplining or having consequences or whatever mm-hmm. word you want to use right. is teaching your children your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it, or the boundaries in this family or in this house. Yeah. Yeah. For this, this is how this operates, mm-hmm. right? And like parent to parent, there's probably slight adjustments, but hopefully mm-hmm. you're on the same page, but they're they're going to know them and they're going to play them. Right. That's what kids do. Well, yeah. Okay. That's fine. Good. That's a yeah. good skill to figure out. And actually. they're going to learn that what the boundaries are at school. Like, yes. But if in your, in your parenting, you're saying these are my boundaries, but you don't hold them, mm-hmm. you disregard them mm-hmm. or they don't, they don't meet. Like the punishment doesn't fit the crime. It's like way overkill or whatever. You're going to send your kid out into the world and it's going to be a lot harder for them when someone else gives them a boundary to know what to do. Exactly. Or to know what the consequences might be of not meeting that. Or to know what's an appropriate or inappropriate boundary. Right. Because you haven't modeled it for them. Yeah. So again, it isn't about doing it perfect. It's about like, how can I do this and how can, how is this going to teach them overall the lesson? It's not about yeah. nailing it every time. It's about no. overall being kind of consistent. Yeah, exactly. Consistency is key. I think so. Okay. Know your own triggers as a parent. <laughs> Huge. Okay. And you might think you know it, but when you start parenting, you're going to find out that you don't actually know. You all don't know all your triggers. People no. think you can learn them all. You can figure out what ones that happen pretty regularly are mm-hmm. and you can know those. But I'm going to tell you, when you're parenting, you're going to... You're going to find some brand spanking new ones you didn't know existed. And they're yeah. doozies. Yeah. Because they don't come up very often. <laughs> no, exactly. And depending on what your life was, like, like I remember talking to you about how, like, I would be so triggered that my kids got to act a certain way. Yes. That I didn't get to act. Yeah. Because I would be punished. Yes. And in the front of my mind, I know, like, oh, I don't want to punish my kid like that. I want my kid to behave and to mess up and learn. Yeah. But in the back of my mind, you're triggered. I'm like, why do you get to be like that? And I yeah. didn't get to. I didn't get in trouble for that. Yeah, you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Like, what's up with that? But the important you know? thing to what you're saying is that those two things can happen at the same time. Right. And you don't have to act on the Correct. one telling you, right. oh, my God, I'm triggered. And, like, you don't have to then be mad at them. Exactly. You can just be like, oh, shit, I'm triggered. And go tell your friend or your partner exactly. or something. You know what I mean? Like, yep. oh, my God, that triggered me. And, like, talk it through. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if you're not aware. Right. You don't understand why you're taking weird shit out on your kids. Exactly. So my, my first thing is like, this might be basic, but I, I actually don't think a lot of people have this like fully thought out, what? like consciously. What does it feel like in your body when you're triggered? Oh, people don't know. No, they, I mean, you they, and I know. They go away. Like you like kind of tap out, I think. Yeah. Or you just sort of like, oh yeah, I'm triggered. And, but you don't like stop and go like, this is what it feels like. No, right. Because that is... That's everything. Like, ooh, I'm getting the feeling. Because before you can understand why, and sometimes you don't understand why until later, you're going to feel it happen in your body. I know. I know exactly where it sits. It sits in my chest. Yeah, mine's my stomach. It hits to the stomach, but like it's yeah. it's like, ugh, right yeah. where the grief is, which is interesting, right? Yeah. <laughs> that could be its own episode. Yeah. And I think like, 
oh God, this happening. And I, it's almost like I feel like I'm not heavy enough to stay on the ground. It's almost like I'm floating. Yeah, yeah, it's like, whoa. You're like I'm, a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I know when that's happening that I'm being triggered. So I right. can probably just excuse myself from the situation and deal with it Take when I figured that out mm-hmm. so that I'm not coming from that place. But the point is like actually know so that you could describe it what it feels like when you're triggered. Yeah. It's a very good like early warning system. <laughs> and there's a difference between being triggered and just being pissed off. Yeah. By your kid. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. those are different reactions. So know the difference. Yeah, that's true. Okay. And the other thing sort of goes with what you were saying is like, just remind yourself. We remind each other this all the time that your kids can't be grateful for having what you didn't have. I know. It's not possible. But that's what we mean about like you see everything through your own lens. So like you don't, they don't know what the hell you're upset about. No. They don't know the life you live. Or the sacrifice you made. Right. Like like, actually I think when they become adults, they might see it. Maybe. I mean, I I see it in my parents. Mm -hmm. Like I would be like, wow, like they were raised like this. They weren't given those tools, but they Mm -hmm. somehow put them together and did Mm -hmm. that. Like that's amazing. Right. Okay. So like maybe they'll, they'll tell you that when they're older. My mom's probably just hearing me say it on the podcast. I don't know if I ever said it. Mom, good job. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. But like they, especially in the moment, they don't know you have the experience of growing up without something or having something in a way that didn't feel good. And so to Mm -hmm. help your kid not have that doesn't mean they're going to turn and be like grateful. Like, thank you for not exposing me to that. Or thank you for not like, my kids aren't going to be like, thank you for not raising me in religion. True. Where I feel like that was, that's tough. But I understand why. Right. But like. Good point. But they weren't, they don't have the experience of it. So how could they be grateful for it? But we sort of walk around with this chip on our shoulder. Right. About like, look what I did for you. Filter. Look at, look at all this healing I did for you. You know what I mean? But they don't, they can't be appreciative of it. No, it, it doesn't even matter if you have like the, the most intuitive yeah. most emotionally intelligent children we yeah. have very like yes. emotionally intelligent children yeah they still have underdeveloped brains yep their their brains are not able to compute or like no they're not going to understand like exactly what you're doing for them yeah. throughout the day yeah like they you know can. what i mean it's like it's just not possible. they're not going to understand like the sacrifices you've made the mm-hmm. healing you've done what you do for mm-hmm. them in a day nope they're, what they're you provided not. for them that you didn't have no, 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 no. Even if you tell them, yeah, it's not going to hit until they're older and they can sort of put more of the pieces of like the family dynamic together. Exactly. And you know, along that same vein, you can be the best parent ever mm-hmm. and your kids are still going to struggle with stuff. Like I, I think one of the greatest privileges I have in my life, I have a lot of privilege. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest ones is that I was raised by two very loving, very wonderful, very present parents. And the advantage you get in life just from that is it puts me so much further ahead of everybody. I I recognize it than people who didn't have that. That's a big deal. I didn't have that. No. You had a wonderful father, but you were raised in a single parent right. household. That's Which very difficult. Which changes the dynamic. Absolutely. Right. So the fact that you even listened to this podcast episode <laughs> and that you are trying to be a good parent. If you're worried about being a good parent, you are one. Right. It reminds me of the narcissist episode where yes. we're like, if you're wondering if you're a narcissist, you're, you're not. not. Exactly. <laughs> because the right. narcissist can't wonder that. Right. So 
it, it's kind of the same thing. Here. I think it's true. You're never going to get it perfect. No. Your kids are still going to struggle with stuff. It's not a reflection of your parenting. That's that's the freaking trip here, man. That's the journey. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, that that that's actually like a hard pill to swallow, I think, sometimes as a parent. Is that like you don't want your kids to suffer. Yeah. You don't want them to struggle. No. But everyone has to have something. They have to have like, you know, like when you start learning about your own vows that you make when you're a child and, and like I'm raveling those and healing them and you're like well, how can i how can i save my kids from having to go through this yeah they have to they're gonna and i'll tell you what <laughs> i really like when you start a sentence with i'll tell you what it's I, always a really it's a gem okay. i worked really hard like when my kids were very little mm -hmm. i realized that i wasn't able like i wasn't in control of my own emotions so i worked yeah. really hard and i think really fast yeah. at managing them mm-hmm and so my kids don't have a lot of experiences. Of course, they have your everyday like issues and stuff. Like we have our own issues right. in our families, but right. there was no like real big trauma in our family. Right. They found other ones. <laughs> <laughs> there were other people that caused trauma for them. Like, so that's such a kick in the fucking pants. So it's like yes, like you know. And, and granted, it's like okay, well, these I don't have to have it on my conscience that <laughs> I did it. Like. But you showed up to walk them through it. Exactly. Yeah. So like I learned all that stuff. I'm teaching it to them. I can walk you through your issues that you're having with other people or these other experiences that are happening to you and informing your own vows. Like, yeah. but you're gonna, your kids are gonna have yeah. some issue. That's yeah. the whole point. They're gonna, and it doesn't mean you weren't a good parent. No. If you're trying, you're a good parent. Exactly. If you're there, you're a good parent. Right. Yeah. And and even if you don't feel like you're the best parent or you're not parenting at a level you should be, yeah. if you are consistently working on it, yes. and, and listen, you can talk to your kids again at an age appropriate level yep. about the struggles that you have. Like sometimes I have a hard time not getting upset. Yeah. I'm sorry I got upset. Yeah. I, it, I, it's something I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And then you're modeling that over the course of their childhood. Yes. It's like the best lesson is to be like well, remember when like like mom would get mad yes and, and like now she's so chill like yes or like in the example you gave like i lost my cool and i got mad and i walked right. away and then i came back 20 minutes later and apologized right. for it that's that like modeling is the perfect word that's what i mean when i say like your relationship to your own imperfections and right. how you manage that teaches right. your kids so much more right than if you're trying to pretend to be perfect right and, and again appropriately i'm not saying right. go dump all your shit on no, your kids. No, please don't make your, don't parentify your kid. No, no, no. Don't do that. Don't make no, them no. hold your shit. But like, no. you like you go, you take a minute, you come back in. Don't then pretend like it didn't happen. No. Because then your kid's like, what? I, th I, like, I thought you were just furious and now, <laughs> now you're not. Like, let's pretend that never happened. Right. And that don't avoid it. And that teaches them. Abandonment people. Right. Yeah. That teaches them yeah. something else. Right. Yeah. Like, but if you say like, hey, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting really frustrated when these things happen and like, yeah. I want to, I want I'm working on how I manage yeah. it, yeah. but also like if we could work better, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I'm not telling you like, like I'm not going to write, like, I'm not trying to write a dialogue for you to have with your kids, but like, yeah. if you can just model that growth for them, mm -hmm. that's all they really need. And you're modeling self-awareness. Right. You know, and then when they screw up, right. Watch what happens. They, I, I this happened recently. I got, I got a little teenage attitude. Oh. <sighs> And then oh, I know the, you know, the stomp walk away. Oh, do I? Yeah. Yes. I'm familiar. 
I let it, I let them be for a few minutes. I mean, I made a comment as they were exiting. I'm not, I'm not that good. I mean, I'm human. (laughs) About 10 minutes later, they came back Mm -hmm. and said, I'm really sorry. That was not a fair outburst. I apologize for that. I Mm -hmm. didn't mean it. I was frustrated. And I was like, okay. And I literally was like, that's what I've been trying to model. Perfect. Because that's what I want you to do outside of this house. I'm going to love you no matter what. You could be right. a jerky McJerkington face, and I'm going to love you. I was just going to say, and then I would call you a Stompasaurus Rex. Yeah. <laughs> I completely make fun of you. Then it becomes a joke. Of, Absolutely. Right, I right. expect you to do the same to me. Right. Yes. But, like, when you go out into the world, mm-hmm. if you have a reaction like that to, like, a romantic partner or to a boss or to a colleague, right. I want you to be able to navigate it because I don't have an expectation that you'll be perfect. Exactly. I have an expectation that you'll screw up and that my job is to provide you with tools of what to do when that happens. Exactly. Okay. I just have a, I know we're getting up there in time, but I just have a few more quick are. tips. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is an important subject. It is. Okay. Just things to be mindful of, not mm-hmm. preachy, not, don't shame yourself. We all do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, just clock how much importance you are placing on other people's perception of you and your children versus how your kid and you are feeling and what you desire. That's a hard one. You are, you are always going to need to care about other people's perception. I used to really struggle with that. Everybody struggles with that. Listen, mm-hmm. when people say, like, don't care what other people think of you, I'm always like, do you understand humans at all? You right. have to care what other people exactly. think of you. There's no – first of all, you are wired to, so you can't change that wiring. You yep. can pretend you're not caring or right. you can place less importance on it right. or less meaning in it, but you can't not care about it. Exactly. And it matters. It has an effect mm-hmm. on how you're treated and how the world – like, it's just the world you live in Yeah, is my point. Yeah. So you're going to – but just keep up. Keep like a clocked sort of general percentage. Mm-hmm. And if it slides a little too far that way, just clock it and reel it back in. Because yep. sort of teaching that, I mean, it definitely sets up the fraud fear yep. for, for kids. Right, exactly. That's like the main power for people seeing it. me and perceiving me. Yeah. Right. But like you also are just modeling something that I happen to know if you're a listener of this podcast, you don't want your kid to actually feel. Right. So just keep that in mind. Just keep a little running clock. You're going to slide the wrong way sometimes. Yes. The quote unquote wrong way. Just slide back. Right. It's okay. Um, What your kids hear you say about them to them, but also to others. The gossiping. Yeah. Like that's a parenting I love that. Thing. And it should be similar. Mm-hmm. So the compliments that you give your kids and the things that you're working on, if you can have a moment where you know they're listening, but they don't know you're listening, yep. and you can say that same thing to other people, yep. that's an amazing tool. Even if they know you're listening, yeah, say it. Yep. And be consistent with the compliments you're giving them and, and reflecting it that way. What that does for a kid's confidence is Bananas amazing. It is. I mean, I found out my dad taught me the technique. I found out he had done it when I was a kid. And I still, even though I saw, I see it now and remember some of it, I still believe it. Of course. (laughs) It's, it's that effect. It changes the way you're perceiving the the information. It works on adults too. It sure does. Side note. Yeah. Yeah. You get an employee at work, you're trying to get to perform a certain way. Talk about them doing it to somebody else when they can hear you, but they don't know you can hear them and they'll do it. Yeah. Okay. Keep an eye on intention versus expectation as a parent. Always. Well, for everything, really. I mean, expectation <laughs> will get you disappointed all the time. Right. But intention, what, how do I intend to feel? How do mm-hmm. I intend for them to feel? What do I intend for them to learn? That's going to be helpful. Huge. That's okay. huge. I said this before, but I'll say it again. If you're worried about being a good parent, you are a good parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, 
Just keep the desired emotional outcome in the front of your mind as a parent. Right. Okay. Like if you're like really focused on your kid getting like all A's, for example, maybe that's a focus. Yeah. Why? What's the feeling that you want them to have? Yeah. So that maybe if they got a B or something else happened or like that feeling could be supported in a different way that mm -hmm. was maybe felt better to the kid, you clock it. Yeah. You know, I, I think of like you're starting to do like the whole college search thing and yeah. like all of the stuff attached to that and just like remembering like, well, what do I want them to have from this experience? Yeah. What's the point here? It helps you feel yeah. more centered and having to go through something like that. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's it. I mean, I have I mean, 18 a, pages more. Well, right. We could talk about this forever, but that's a good overview and a yeah. synopsis. And again, there's no right or wrong way to parent. No that doesn't exist and there's if someone's telling you like use my 10-step program and don't think for yourself don't do that don't do that but look at different ways and take the parts that work and right. the parts that don't that's what intuitive parenting is exactly that's the definition yeah i just decided it i think it's All right. i need coffee and to probably ask you some advice on parenting my kids <laughs> okay <laughs>Hey everyone, Heather and I have an ask for you. If you love this episode or if you love the IGG, can you do us a favor? We need you to go onto whatever platform you listen on and download, subscribe, like, love, whatever it's asking you to do. Can you go do those things for us on the platforms that you listen on? It would mean so much to us. Thanks for listening to our episode. For a way to get in touch with us, please visit our website, intuitivegirlsguide.com. We love hearing your feedback on our episodes.